I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we are in downtown Washington, D.C., working with SeaTac and talking with former majority leader Tom Daschle. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. You know, so many times we hear a lot of things in the news when it comes to senators and congressmen and House of Representatives, but they all are doing a public service, just like our military. And it was really nice to sit down to talk to you today and look at you in the eyes and and see a man that has really a, a strong heart into serving the people and making positive changes. And I, I, I really am glad you're joining us, uh, Tom Daschle. Thank you so much for coming on Death by Design podcast. Absolutely. Happy to. You, you've walked the halls of Congress. And I have to say that I don't envy you for that. That's a lot of responsibility. Um, but you have changed a lot of things when it comes to looking at advanced illness. So talk to me a little bit about that responsibility on your shoulders and how did you do that? Well, it is a responsibility, but there's an enormous level of fulfillment when you realize how many lives you touch and how many people um, are affected by the decisions and the work that you do. You know, public service is, in my view, the highest calling in a democracy. And if it's done right, if you do it with with the approach that, that you can make the lives of all people better in some way, um, all the frustration that comes with public service, all of the headaches and the sometimes the petty, the petty nature of politics seems to dissipate because you appreciate just the magnitude of good that one can do. What is your history? Because you've been majority leader. Tell me a little bit about your background. Well, I had a first grade teacher who once told me that... Um, that public service was the highest calling in a society, and I've repeated that thousands and thousands of times. Do you remember her name? Sister Morris Crowley. She was a, a, a nun, of course, and um, she said that she wanted to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God made her a basilica instead. She was a big woman, <laughs> and uh, she had a great sense of humor. But she had a real effect on my life, along with my parents. Um, so when I uh, started to think about what I wanted to do, I, I really remembered her admonition about public service. And so at the young age of about 25, I started working for one of the senators from South Dakota. I started running for Congress when I was 29, and I got elected by 14 votes in the first election. I served in the House of Representatives for four terms and then ran for the Senate and served for three terms and ran for majority leader in 1994 and had the good fortune to win that and served as leader for 10 years. That is amazing. That to be around this history and be part of the history, um, I, I I'm just so fortunate that we have people like you, because even talking about politics scares the woo out of me. I mean, but you have to be strong and you have to have 
conviction. And that's what I love. So talk to me about why are you interested in partnering with SeaTac and what interests you about this organization? Well, SeaTac does an enormously effective work. And I'm very uh, appreciative, especially of Tom Katsampas and 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 what and the work that he and Bill do every day, um, they're great leaders. And I think with all of us, there's a personal story. Uh, I've had two occasions in my family in the last 20 years that required uh, advanced care uh, commitment on the part of my family. I lost a brother to brain cancer, uh, and I lost a mother to Alzheimer's. And it was in both cases uh, an ordeal that lasted many years. And so once you've had that experience, um, you uh, appreciate even more how important this work is and how important good policy is, how important our country uh, should, the importance our country should place on good public policy today. So while it started as a public policy challenge, it became much more of a personal issue for me having had those experiences. And you did something very, very special for the hospice industry. And I, after 17 years working in hospice, I have to say thank you so much for fighting for just a different aspect of reimbursement. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, I think people are only beginning to appreciate what an important role hospice can play. But if hospice is going to work effectively, reimbursement and compensation and ways to finance hospice is really one of the essential elements to ensuring broader success and broader engagement and broader utilization. Um, That was really what I came to realize fairly early on in this process. And so we worked to convince others of the importance of doing that in the right way. And fortunately, we were successful, not nearly as successful as I think we need to be as we consider the longer term goals. But this is one of the steps in a long journey. But it was an important step. Is it is it because of your personal story that you were so committed to, to making this happen? I think the personal stories uh, are the prime motivator. You can, there are a lot of reasons why people get involved in public life and public issues and, 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 and the policy around it. But it's that personal story that you can relate to somebody else. You can tell about my brother. You can talk about my mother. And we all have those stories that, that sort of create a community, that once that community is identified and we can empathize with one another, we become much more willing to work in a collaborative way to get something done. Well, you know what you're doing right now is you're really putting a face and a personal story to the Senate, to Congress, to people who are in the public office. And I don't think I've given the credit that individuals like yourself who are doing this on an everyday basis deserves. We get these little snippets every now and again. And I'm looking at you, a humble man with a story trying to change how people face advanced illness. And I, I just think that is, thank you for doing that for me, because you've given me a different face of who, who are people right down the street trying to change and make things better. Um, do you think people get a, the wrong opinion about what you guys are trying to do to betterment the, the people? I do. I think people do have the wrong opinion, but but I think also politicians sometimes bring it on themselves. We all 
are responsible for the polarization and the political uh, confrontation that exists almost on a daily basis. And I'm, if I lament anything right now, is that people in both parties don't do enough to try to work uh, through their common differences and find the common ground necessary to get something done. So to a certain extent, we're responsible for the image that we have. And I think the more we can elevate the dialogue, the more we can get beyond the politics, the more we can get beyond the pettiness uh, and do some really good things, the more we're going to restore people's confidence in the system. So what can I do to help the system? What can the normal everyday person do to contribute? That's a great question, and I, uh, I, it's one I get quite often. And I would say that if I could put it in one word, Kimberly, it'd be engagement. I think a lot of people just don't think, uh, they don't feel comfortable engaging in the public policy arena. They don't feel comfortable communicating with uh, a member of Congress or uh, a member of their staff. They don't feel necessarily good about writing letters to the editor or communicating in some way their views. But I can't tell you how critical that is. That's part of the democratic democratic process is to be engaged, to express yourself, to let people know how you feel. And it not only provides a level of urgency to the issue, sometimes it provides an insight that members of Congress wouldn't have otherwise had. Share that story if you have one. Talk about how critical it is to be a good caregiver and why it's important in public policy for us to recognize that more than we do today. That's amazing. And you really are encouraging us to tell our personal stories to our congressmen, and, and hopefully you're saying they listen. It's the most compelling tool we've got, and it really works. It's worked for me on so many different occasions. I remember stories, and I'd share them with my colleagues, and I'd share them in speeches on the Senate floor. I would really, they would resonate with me. I would respond when I heard those stories. More than facts and statistics and all of the stuff you get in, you know, on the Internet, what really makes a difference and what really gets traction are those personal stories. Well, I promise you, sitting in front of me, looking into your eyes, that I will absolutely tell my story to to any public figure. First of all, you're brave enough to, to represent. It's a huge responsibility. One thing that I've noticed in the last couple of years is that I want to learn. And sometimes when people have other opinions... Um, we get called up in the rhetoric of, well, you're wrong. How, in your opinion, how can you help us not get called up in right or wrong, but how can we understand? Someone once said something to me that I have remembered uh, decades afterwards. He said that the best way to persuade is with your ears. And I, by that he meant, if you're a good listener, you're halfway to persuading somebody uh, to, to appreciate what it is you're trying to invoke with them. But I don't think we do a good enough job oftentimes of listening. And the more we listen, the more we can create the quality and dialogue that can make a big difference. So I think it's important for public servants, but for others who are passionate about the issue, to be a good listener. That's great advice all the way around. I, I can't tell you 
how much I appreciate you taking these few minutes. Um, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you for everything that you are doing to improve and bring awareness to SeaTac, but also advanced illness. And it's just an honor to meet you. Thank you, Kimberly. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We're partnering with SeaTac at their 2017 SeaTac Summit. SeaTac has a summit every year and has very important people talking and changing how people face end of life. And we hope that you will choose to join them next year at the 2018 summit. And you can get more information about SeaTac by visiting theseatac.org. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.